1: Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley.
2: Welcome to episode 269 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, a host. I'm a physician retired from medical practice. Our topic today is support for family caregivers in diverse communities. Diverse communities are communities of people and families who are connected by their religious faiths, by their languages, by their cultures, by their ethnicities, or by their their status as immigrants. Serious illnesses occur in diverse communities, and of course in all communities. Serious illnesses affect children, adults, and aging parents. Aging parents and children and young adults with serious illnesses are most likely to be cared for by family caregivers as well as the healthcare and social systems. But healthcare and social systems can be so often confusing for all family caregivers and their family members who have to navigate them. And for family caregivers and their family members who are unfamiliar, with the healthcare and social systems, navigation can be especially challenging. And navigation is only one of the challenges faced by family caregivers, which is why our topic, support for family caregivers in diverse communities, is so important. To discuss it, our guest is Rabia Kedder. Rabir is executive director of the Canadian Association of Muslims with Disabilities and a board member of the Federation of Muslim Women. She's also a board member of the Ontario Women's Health Network. She chairs the City of Mississauga Accessibility Advisory Committee. She's a human rights trainer and consultant with her own company called Diversity Works. That's www.diversityworks.wr x, or one word, dot com. She's active in raising awareness about disabilities issues, women's rights, and Islamophobia. She's a recipient of the Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Medal. She's mother of four children and she recently completed her MA degree at York University. So, welcome to the show, Rabia. Thank you. Rabia, welcome. As I've just said. Now, it's I want to ask you some questions. So the first one is, please would you tell us more about your life, your career, and your experience of family caregiving in a faith-based community?
3: Rabia? Well, I um, define myself with uh, you know, a, a one-liner and it goes something like this. I am... Uh, a Muslim Punjabi Pakistani Canadian woman who's a wife, who's a mother, who is an activist, who's a sibling of individuals with disabilities, a daughter of aging parents, yada yada yada. And I happen to have a disability. I um, have been working as a consultant, as an advocate, uh, as, as just you know someone in the community who voices uh, issues of people who cannot voice those issues for themselves. Uh, in in the, the the community services system, um, as a person with a disability, obviously you know I have needs where I need some support in getting through my daily living activities, given the, the factor that I am blind. So you know, in in my household, I need assistance uh, managing my household in terms of laundry and 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 very visually based tasks, which become challenging when you have a household and, and a family. Family, um, So, you know, not only am I a person with a disability who requires assistance, but I'm also a person with a disability who assists others. I, um, you know, have my, my family is, uh, again, uh, two siblings with disabilities. And I coordinate their care. My parents are getting older and need a lot of, um, you know, support in in organizing uh, the services that they access uh, in their caregiver role. My mother is a primary caregiver, and my father equally shares in that responsibility of care for my brothers.
2: Rabbi, I'm going to ask you something different, and tell us about your company, Diversity Works, and its works. And this is a company, isn't it, that you own and you run? Yes,
3: Diversity Works is my brand, and I do consulting work under it. I collaborate with, I bring on board people with different skill sets depending on projects that we tackle. And we've worked on projects where, you know, we've done community consultations to hear the voices of different communities in accessing services for seniors, for individuals with disabilities, for women uh, when it comes to that, you know, care provision role.
2: Now, I want to move to another part of your life, and ask you about your work as the chairperson of the City of Mississauga Accessibility Advisory Committee, and also as a member of the Ontario Women's Health Network Board. What, what what's involved in that work, Ramia?
3: Well, again, as as chair of the Mississauga Accessibility Advisory Committee, um, I you know primarily conduct the the technical aspect of our very formal meetings. Our minutes go to our city council because we are a committee appointed by council um, and our uh purpose is to advise and and this is a legally mandated committee under uh provincial law in Ontario uh under the accessibility for ontarians with disabilities act and the ontarians with disabilities act uh aacs were a requirement uh in the public sector so Our role is primarily to make sure that there is an accessibility planning process in place at the City of Mississauga, that that plan is reviewed, monitored, implemented, um, and and that we're really working toward the implementation of accessibility standards in all aspects of city operations as we move close to 2025, uh, ensuring a a barrier-free Ontario. So, so, so sorry, uh, 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 Gordon, uh, you also asked me about the Ontario Women's Health Network Board. Again, I'm a board member there, and we look at... Uh, health issues, health policy, uh, pertaining to women, and, you know, me being at the table again, I bring that lens of diversity, uh, being a Muslim woman, being a woman with a disability, being a woman of colour, quote-unquote, South Asian, so I bring a variety of perspectives again to that table, looking at uh, issues that impact women's health and health policy in Ontario.
2: Rabia. I want to ask you about the MA degree that you recently got that was in your um, uh, bio that I, I uh, presented when we were starting up. What, what did your Master of Arts study um, involve? What, what was the topic well, particularly?
3: Well, you know, I you know, graduated with my undergrad 20 years ago, uh, dreaming of a whole different career in you know human resources or something and life took me in its own direction I ended up doing you know I I used to joke that I had enough of disability personally that I didn't want to make a profession out of it and yet I did carve out a profession um, out of it and I came to a point in the last few years where I said I'm going and making presentations in, in academic arenas, I'm presenting to master's students, I'm presenting to uh, at conferences uh, to academics, well I just need to go and do this degree and this MA is in Critical Disability Studies that I did at York University and again um, for me it was To have greater access to reading materials that were relevant to me because as a person with a disability accessible reading materials aren't readily available I can't just go into uh, chapters and buy a book that's accessible to me in electronic format that simply so um, it was access to reading materials being forced to write more and hence being able to advance the issues that I work on so throughout my MA I focused on on my lived experience and the issues that matter to me and I came out with and this is tying the other aspect of my life in uh, as the executive director of C- the Canadian Association of Muslims with Disabilities I took some of the research that we did under CAMD under that organization uh, into my uh, as some, uh, some background to my uh, research for my MA major research paper which was entitled uh, portraits of Muslim adults with intellectual disabilities and their families living in Ontario. So again, looking at uh, caregivers and, and receivers and looking at how uh, faith and culture and values and expectations intertwine and how services need to respond uh, to these differences.
2: Now I'm still talking about asking you about your life and your career. So I'm now going to ask you what's next. With all this experience you've got, <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> what are you going to do next? You know,
3: there's always something next. I'm 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 a cha- you know, I'm 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 one of those people who thrive on change even though, you know, I like to think that I resist it and I like consistency and stability and and you know, routine and all that, but that but yet I do thrive on change. So What's been new for me through CAMD has been the launch of a brand new charity and organization called Dean Support Services, uh, which is, you know, Dean being D-E-E-N, having multiple meanings, but uh, standing for disability empowerment equality networking, and essentially, again, bringing that caregiver dream to a reality of creating a space where we can offer respite life skills activities, day programming that are culturally and spiritually relevant to people, uh, particularly people with intellectual disabilities and also taking that forward to developing a residential model of care rooted in uh, diverse values because there's a huge shortage in terms of residential uh, services and options for people with intellectual disabilities. We have about 12,000 adults who do not have appropriate housing in Ontario who have intellectual disabilities. So that's one big next piece that I've been working on. And in the longer term, I think it's to to take my effort to the next level and be a part of decision-making tables where I can affect further change.
2: Now, we're going to talk about... uh, areas where changes are particularly needed but right now it's time for us to take the break so this is where i often say we have to pay our rent so that's what we'll do now so this is dr gordon and my guest is rabia kadham you're listening to family caregivers unite on the voice america variety and empowerment channels and cjmp 90.1 fm community radio please stay with us we will we will be back
5: The bottom line in business talk. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join Gary Ray with his co-host, Linda Crater, as they show what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time.
4: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
1: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, Please address them by email to docg at org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Rabia Kadam. Our topic is support for family caregivers in diverse communities. Now, let's talk about. Uh, Rabia please the challenges experienced by family caregivers in diverse communities so my first question to you is this please tell us about the challenges experienced by family caregivers in diverse communities when the family caregivers are caring for aging parents who have serious health problems Rabia?
3: Yes. Wow. Um, I mean, across the board, I think I think the challenge uh, for anyone is the fact that as our parents age, um, we have we're in our peak years. We're in our adult years. We're working hard. Uh, we're career focused. There is, you know, we have busy lives, especially in, in urban centers. And, you know, families are, are fragmented, are, you know, dispersed. um Geographically uh, and 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 whatnot. So there's a huge, huge balancing act of responsibilities um, because as typical family caregivers, we will have our own family and and yet have parents that are getting older, having health issues, having needing a lot of care, and and it impacts the entire family unit. It impacts lifestyle it impacts uh, career. Where this is an even further challenges within diverse communities, where you know individuals will not have extended family supports, they won't have other relatives, they won't have cousins necessarily around. They might be the only uh, family member around with elderly parents, and you know, socioeconomic uh, issues also are challenging because uh, if the parents came here in their older adult years, then uh, parents don't necessarily have a lot of assets built up. The, the financial pressure is all on the caregiver um, who has to, you know, support their own family uh, and also care for their parents and, and most likely have their parents living with them as well. Um, and supports and services out there don't necessarily respond effectively to supporting uh, older adults uh, aging at home uh, who live in extended family situations.
2: Now, I want to ask you about, it's the same question, but challenges experienced by family caregivers, in always in diverse communities we're talking about, who are caring for children and young adults who have serious health problems.
3: Rabia? Well, again, whether health issues or, or, or disabilities, uh, when family caregivers in most contexts would be mothers, Uh, mothers caring for children or young adults uh, with severe disabilities uh, who require daily living assistance the the challenges again are um, the caregiver face and the individual face social isolation um, face financial barriers um, and, and, and face burnout and really again have Limited support, particularly for adults, very limited support to get them through, um, you know, their caregiver role on a regular basis, and and whatever supports are there are again uh, individualized and, and focused on the individual needing care. So don't necessarily um, uh, might might provide some relief uh, or, or respite. Uh, to the uh, individual, the, the family caregiver, but then, you know, it doesn't necessarily alleviate much of their responsibility. It just gives them a little bit of time out.
2: Right. Now, I'm going to ask you, again, it's the same, same question, but I'm wanting you to focus now on the family caregivers themselves. Um, what about the challenges that they face in caring for themselves when they're caring also for family members with serious health problems they
3: actually, they actually completely forget about their care um, they they don't they disregard their care until their uh, health and wellness is really compromised um, and and that's where they need a lot of peer support and reminders that they have to take care of themselves in order to take care of their family member Um Family caregivers often don't have the support to care for themselves and aren't often reminded enough often by others in their lives that they really have to take care of themselves to take care of anybody else. They, they neglect themselves plentiful.
2: Which raises, Rambia, the question of the, let's use the word priorities, the priorities that family caregivers are forced to respect. That is what comes first. And I've understood you to say, and I've heard other people say the same thing, that when it comes to caring for themselves, um, they give themselves a pretty low priority. Now, are there any general principles that you can point us to, Rabia, about this very difficult question of who comes first, who should come first, who should have the priority when it comes to the caregiving? Rabia?
3: i think you know in in terms of the caregiver the family caregiver because they've been providing care so long and putting themselves low on the priority scale they've they've almost forgotten how to care for themselves i mean i've been recently speaking to someone where i needed to say to her you need a break you need to take time out and not feel guilty for it there's a huge element of guilt that comes hand in hand if they decide to put themselves before quote unquote the responsibility of caring that they have taken on their shoulders, so um, this again is across the board for 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 caregivers. I think it transcends culture and diversity um, you know but but in in some cultures and traditions it's even more so stronger just because. Uh, they don 't feel that they can offload caregiving upon anyone else that you know this is their destiny this is what they have to do it 's not even questioned, and it is not questionable
2: that raises a practical question because if family caregivers are exhausted physically, psychologically, and maybe even financially by their family caregiving, then they're really aren't in a position to do the best of caring that they would like to do. Now, first of all, is that right? Do you agree with that? And secondly, do you have any particular instances of where that that kind of thing might occur?
3: I, I definitely agree with you in that. Yes, that's exactly what happens, and that's where, you know, the quality of care provided suffers, and the family unit becomes more and more dysfunctional and yes that that certainly happens that the 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 recipient of care is frustrated the care provider is is frustrated and you know it just it, it there's a need for intervention who intervenes and how becomes a challenge because you know people feel it's not their business um Yes, that certainly does happen and can contribute to family breakdown, particularly in situations where it's it's, it's one spouse taking care of the other.
2: We're talking about communities, diverse communities, but North America is a huge distance and people who come to North America turn up in various places and often... The communities then are separated by distance and the families are separated by distance. Um, Rabbi, could you just talk about that sort of distance problem and the way it happens with particular communities and the effects that it has?
3: Well, again, like we said, because of migration, because people are coming from across the globe to make... Uh, In my particular context, you know, the Toronto area, their home, and, and, you know, this this speaks volumes to across North America, as you suggested, Um, certainly families don't have uh, a lot of family members around. Um, The families are pretty small, um, so they end up building... Uh, you know, building relationships, the social relationships that become as important as family. But then caregiving, again, is a private matter in many cultures and traditions. It's, it's a family matter. So even though they might have very close, friendly ties uh, to community, whether it's com- spiritual community, cultural community, neighborhoods, um, you know, communities of just general friendships, it, it because you know, caregiving uh, can can be so intrusive and intimate. Um, they don't necessarily want to bring in somebody from the outside. And trying to bring family members from abroad here uh, to come and assist then becomes a whole process that that there isn't much uh, that can be done about in real time. It's, it's time-consuming, it's laborious, and, and in many cases, it, it may not even be practicable because of the way uh, immigration policy is set up.
2: Now, we're going to stop at that point because in the next segment we're going to talk about ways these challenges can be overcome and the way more help is needed. So let's take the break now. This is Dr. Gordon-Athony and my guest is Rabia Kedah. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back.
4: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go. On iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
5: surprise you.
0: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice
4: America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to doc.com. G at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Rabia Kadda. Our topic is support for family caregivers in diverse communities. Now let's talk about the ways in which family caregivers in those diverse communities overcome the challenges and the help that they need in overcoming those challenges. So, Rabia, first question is, tell us about, please, the ways in which family caregivers in diverse communities overcome the challenges and the help they need when they're caring for ageing parents who have serious health problems. Rabia?
3: Well, again, I, I think, you know, again, it tend, the, the typical scenario is it's, it's women who are the caregivers, whether it's of, of their aging parents or their aging in-laws in diverse communities, um, and, and those aging parents or in-laws are most likely living with them. If there's other family members around, then, then that becomes some sort of shared coordinated responsibility, primarily falling fo- on the person that the, that the aging parents reside with, but, um, again, extending to other family members that may be around. Um, so, you know, that can be a source of support is when there are other family members around uh, to come and, you know, provide relief or assistance. Uh, again, you know, there is some support through service agencies um, where you can have some respite hours, Um they, they you know family caregivers will also uh, like i said uh, primarily being women will 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 try to empower themselves through their spirituality uh through worship through reflection, uh particularly in the case of muslim women they will they will turn to uh, viewing uh caregiving as a spiritual obligation toward parents or, or parents in laws and, you know, see it as their duty and, you know, as, as a way of pleasing God, for example. And so uh, that will be a sense of empowerment and motivation um, for them to, to carry on and, and to also keep themselves, um, you know, focused and, 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 and spiritually well and healthy.
2: You mentioned service agencies. Please tell us more about the way in which they help, um, and the way perhaps in which they might do better in the way they're helping,
3: Rabia? Well, again, uh, there are limited hours available for homemaking assistance and respite and personal care uh, when uh, there are uh, individuals with with very high healthcare needs or disabilities where they need assistance with daily living activities. So, you know, you might have a personal support worker come in or a nurse come in depending on the level of need uh, on a a daily basis every other day, um, you know, or sporadic respite hours that you can schedule off when you need to go out. Um, So, you know, some of that support is there, but where I find it challenging, and I'm not sure how we overcome that challenge, is that that care is client-centered. So, for diverse communities, when you live in an extended family household, when you have You know, the aging parents, you have the caregiver and spouse, you have children, um, you know, so potentially you're looking at um, a household of, of, let's say, six to eight people being managed by one caregiver uh then you know the caregiver having responsibility toward their children towards their spouse but also toward you know the the daily living needs of uh individuals with the, uh, with with a disability or health issues what ends up happening is you know they they're overwhelmed a service agency steps in and provides you know let's say um, personal care so they might be able to help uh, the individual uh, with the disability with their shower and clean up the washroom after them and stuff. So, yes, that is helpful, but um, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that goes along with that around caregiving, for example, laundry, and and in a household, you're not really supporting the caregiver if you're doing one load of laundry of the white for the individual with the disability because that uh, you know, few garments in the whites go along with a whole load of whites for everybody else too. So if you do an entire load you've offered some assistance for example to the caregiver in terms of relief as well um, by doing one task and whereas if you only focus on doing that quarter of a load for that one individual uh, from a client-centered perspective then, yes, you've, you've taken away a little bit of the task, but does it really have an impact on, uh, on any relief for the caregiver? Uh, no.
2: Right. Now, same question, um, but it's about family caregivers and the challenges when they're caring for children and young adults who have serious health problems. What about the help they need and get, Rabia?
3: Again, it's the same issue. It's it's the very same issue. So the example I can give you is, you know, um, my parents caring for my one brother in the house. My sister also lives in the house. Now, if my brother's laundry is is done, that really doesn't relieve my mom from going up and down and doing the number of loads that she does. If it actually, you know, involved an entire load um, that was taken care of altogether, then that's one less. Item on her daily checklist of things to do. Um, and, you know, the care schedule, let's say she gets three hours of assistance, but if he decides to take a nap in those three hours, and that's his choice and, and his independence. Uh, and then, you know, as soon as the um, service provider leaves, he decides to hop in the shower. Has anything um, been been provided in terms of relief to mum, the primary caregiver? No. So that's where you know, it, it becomes a, a tricky balance in, in trying to maximise the bank for taxpayer dollars for services in, in, in the home.
2: Now, let's talk about the challenges and the way in which family caregivers themselves overcome the challenges. You've already said a lot about this, but caring for themselves, and this is something that you, you emphasized, is, is very important but also a major challenge. Um, what are the s- solutions that family caregivers and their communities and their families use to overcome that particular challenge?
3: Again, I don't think there are many solutions that they use. I don't think they even think about it and i and I think this is a huge um, gap in in terms of supports and services provided uh, in the social services realm uh, to caregivers and 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 to parents particularly. Um, we do not uh, you know we might provide you know, hands-on uh, services in terms of respite and personal care and homemaking assistance. But what we do not provide is, is sort of that self-care coaching and counseling. Um, a lot of caregivers need that sort of counseling um, through a professional to help them um, really uh, understand their role, value their role, value themselves, and and value the fact that they need to care for themselves before they can provide care to the other person and not to get to a point of where they start resenting the role that they facilitate doing it but resenting it which will then deteriorate the quality of service that they offer uh... to to their family member um... so really i see a, uh, a huge lack in that sort of counseling mentoring coaching There might be groups out there that look at stress management for caregivers and stuff like that. But, you know, most caregivers won't take time out to attend something like that. It needs to be something brought in. I mean, something interesting I've seen in a whole different sector uh, that I hear has been piloted um, in London, Ontario, is, again, for newcomers uh, who have high needs because they're a caregiver or because of uh, disability or health challenges, um, language instruction has been made accessible to them by providing them a language tutor that will come to their home as opposed to them attending a regular program that they may not be able to do because of their caregiving responsibility or because of their own medical or health condition. So, so I think providing another intervention uh when we're supplementing you know homemaking personal care and respite services is to provide some sort of uh coaching mentoring around uh for caregivers and and even counseling like coping with caregiving type of counseling needs to be done that needs to be brought into the home,
2: and that- presumably would need a change in government policy to recognise the family caregiver as a recipient of support and care of the kind you're talking about. Is that right?
3: Yes, and, and I think it's also putting a value on the care that they're providing, that if they were not in the picture providing that free labour of care out of obligation, that somebody would have to pay for it. So if we invest in Uh, providing support to the family caregiver, then we improve quality of care and ultimately um, download responsibility to the caregiver so that we don't have to pay more.
2: It could also perhaps be that the family caregiver should be seen as part of the care team looking after the child or the ageing adult at home uh, and therefore, if you like, so to speak, factored into... The way in which care is delivered for people who are living at home, I mean just very briefly, would you support that as a piece of policy?
3: Yes, and I hear you in that if, if the care, family caregiver were were seen as part of the care team, then they would be getting the kind of support that we 're talking about in terms of uh, you know health and wellness and counseling and all that kind of stuff because you know that kind of um, you know, wellness in the workplace kind of support is available for people who uh, are in, uh, you know, that kind of a role of supporting people, for example, in group homes, right? So they can uh, call into some sort of employee assistance program or something to have some sort of counseling and stuff when they find themselves in, in difficult situations that are emotionally draining.
2: That's something that um, I would just like to say needs a good deal more publicity than it's getting because I Definitely. think just yeah we, we must do something about that. Now, we do have to take the break now, so we'll do that. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Rabia Kade. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back.
4: Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for the keywords World Talk Radio. Once you're a part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the World Talk Radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for World Talk Radio.
1: Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus drug discount card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance, and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies, but nine out of ten pharmacies participate nationwide. Start saving today. Print your free card online at VoiceAmerica.RXSavingsPlus.com or text the word Talk Radio to 96362. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Rabia Khada. Our topic is support for family caregivers in diverse communities. Now let's talk about the things that you, Rabia, would like to do and to see done to provide more help for family caregivers in the diverse communities to confront the challenges that we've been discussing. So, first of all, through your activism, through your work, what more would you like to do, Rabia?
3: Well, what I would like to see us do is we need in urban centers, we need to strengthen neighborhoods. And we need to strengthen communities. Um, you know, again, like we're emphasizing, diverse communities in urban centers don't have extended family opportunities often because family is somewhere else. Um, family caregivers are socially isolated. They don't necessarily have the luxury to go out of their homes at any time that they so please. Uh, transportation might be a barrier uh, respite uh, and and support might be a barrier the finances might be a challenge so we need to strengthen neighborhoods we need to help people get to know their neighbors so that we can build natural support um, and 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 you know there's there's a role for cultural and faith institutions within that because usually they are neighborhood based they need to reach out and ensure that those kinds of relationships natural relationships are are being developed and cultivated so that at least there's some sense of peer support that I'm sure, you know, there isn't just one person who's a caregiver in a neighborhood. I'm sure there's several people. They're just isolated even from each other, even though they're so geographically connected, they're isolated from one another. We, We need to create public spaces of conversation around caregiving and around the fact that, you know, strong families, create strong neighborhoods, create a strong society, and that is good for everybody.
2: What more would you like to see done by the healthcare and social systems? Rabia?
3: I think again the healthcare system needs to review how it's programs and services are supporting diverse communities that, you know, again, uh, let's evaluate can we get a better bang for our buck, um, you know, for it, just totally out of the box. I mean, if I'm getting homemaking services coming in because of my uh, caregiving responsibilities, so they're coming in to assist my family member who, who needs daily living assistance in, you know, making their bed and cleaning up their room, you know, would there be an option for me to to share in that cost and, and top it up a little bit and they actually help me out so, you know, so I get a break so, you know, maybe they tidy up not just uh, the client's room but they tidy up all the rooms so that's one less job on my list of tasks as a caregiver. Um, so, you know, that's something that again in terms of health policy and strategy we can look at. We can also look at what other services can we bring into the home to ensure the well-being of, of the caregiver as well. Let's not leave the caregiver out of the equation when it comes to providing services to someone who requires daily living assistance.
2: We mentioned in the previous segment the point that to change healthcare and social systems requires a shift in government policy. So I'm going to ask you, what more you would like to see done to promote the idea among the politicians and among the bureaucrats that the family caregiver is an essential part of the healthcare and social system. So what more would you like to, to do or see done to get that message through to the decision makers?
3: I think we need to create, um, you know, a a sort of a a platform of discussion that, you know, especially when we're going into electoral races, that we put it on the table, that we want people to talk about um, caregiving and the fact that we do have, you know, an aging, we're in a cycle of aging uh, uh, population Sort of, you know, bursting, and what that, how that impacts uh, the, the working population, and how can we better support the working population through policy platforms? So, putting together sets of questions and and, and themes for discussion that that should be uh, put forth in um, you know upcoming uh, provincial and federal elections.
2: Taking taking that point a step further. I think, and you've you've actually implied this, uh, if not stated it, that in fact the family caregivers, in caring in the way they do, in all the communities, are saving the government, the healthcare system, the social system's money, aren't they?
3: Yes, they certainly are.
2: Which now raises the question of whether family caregivers should receive any kind of money support financial support for what they're doing because that does happen in some countries i don't know that it's very generous but nevertheless the principle has been established rabia what do you think about that
3: yes and i think the principle has been established even here in our federal policy around uh, employment insurance that you know if, if people are taking some time out for uh, uh caregiver reasons that there is uh, some recognition of that in our employment insurance program. Now, I'm not sure exactly how that translates into uh, dollar amounts and, and whether it's, it's a payout or not. But um, you know, as a principal, I think we have uh, recognized that over the years, and it's, it's time to take it to the next level. That if uh, caregivers are giving up an income uh, to, to stay at home to provide care, then perhaps there should be uh, beyond, uh, you know, tax breaks, there should be uh, something a bit more to, to ease the financial burden on them. Right.
2: Now, this is the very last question for you, and it's this what 's your message your personal message for family caregivers in diverse communities who are just starting out on the road of family caregiving for family members with serious health problems what 's your message
3: well my big my greatest message is reach out and connect with other people who are who are, who are Taking on the same role because you really learn a lot from your peers, and you—the more open you are about your responsibility and your feelings, and and the circumstances and and the situation that you are in—the uh, the the more empowered you feel for what you're doing. When you isolate and uh, choose to uh, be um, very private about your matters it it's actually contributes to a caregiver burnout even more so. When you're more open and you reach out for support and find people in similar circumstances, it's very empowering. That, that, to me, is really, really important for people to do.
2: So, therefore, family caregivers getting together and uniting in that way and supporting each other communicating with each other, sharing their experiences and also sharing their good ideas, the sense of what worked and what didn't work, um, is an important step. Do you see it as an important first step?
3: Yes, very much so. We need to bring people together and we need to unite um, and And because there's a lot of power and empowerment in that, not only will uh, caregivers uh, feel that they 're not alone but they will also explore uh, and and start discussing opportunities where they can affect change more broadly for all caregivers
2: now i 'm going back to the basic question i 'm asking you <laughs> about you. Is that a particular cause that you would want to take on or that you're going to take on? That is getting family caregivers to unite and connect among themselves. Is that?: one I think
3: you? I'm already doing that in many ways. actually. I do that through the Canadian Association of Muslims with Disabilities. I bring together families who have children or adults with intellectual disabilities uh, to come together to share ideas, to share needs. Um, you know, just, just making even individual connections for them so they can learn from each other on how to navigate the system. That's also a big, big uh, learning curve for family caregivers is knowing how the support system, formal support system out there works.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, unfortunately, we're coming to an end of this important episode. And so first, thanks, thanks, Rabia, for watching. You- what you've been sharing with us about your own experience your insights your work and your advice and whatever it is that you're going to do next I on behalf of everybody listening to you and on family caregivers wish you absolutely every success and also we wish you to continue what you're doing because it's powerful it's necessary and it's something that will bring wide improvement to the way our healthcare system supports individuals, people with, I'm afraid of using the word, but I will, incurable illnesses for which care, family care, living at home, uh, are most, most frequently the only way that care can be provided. And therefore, there's the role of family caregivers, and there are the things that you are talking about, and there's your work. So, thank you Rabia, thank you very much
3: thank I want to you say- again
2: Okay, I want to say thank you to our listeners, we'd like to hear your comments on this episode and from our listeners I'd like to hear ideas about topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show, our next episode will be defeating depression and living with arthritis please join us, same time, same spot on the internet, talk to you then